0: All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Mind If I Crash, the podcast. Uh, We're somewhere in season two. I'm not necessarily sure, but something's really been on my mind heavy lately, guys, and I just need to come clean with you. I'm wearing Crocs. It feels good. It's convenient. And I figured I'd be truthful with you. Onward with today's guest. He is a culinary prince from the Empire State. And as always, I'm here to pick his mind. One of the most caring and creative individuals I have the pleasure of knowing, Mr. Dylan McCarty. How are you, sir?
1: Very well, Tristan. How are you doing today? I am great. I Good. am great.
0: Thank you for being on. Glad so, be
1: here.
0: I have a few questions pertaining to New York City. Of course. One being, I kind of asked you just beforehand, is it called the Empire State? Is it called the Big Apple? What the fuck? How do you even word that?
1: You know, to me, it's, it's always uh, the Big Apple. Um, me and, me and one of my good friends, uh, we have a running joke that whenever we're together, riding through Manhattan or, uh, Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, where it may be, even if we're in a different state, we always refer to the (laughs) big apple and we'll just walk around like tourists and be like, ah, the big apple, the good big apple done in Cleveland and Cali and, uh, the best part is to ask people where the big apple <laughs> is because none of them have any idea what you're actually talking about. But, um, other than a little apple in a skate park, uh, that you can do tricks over, I've never seen an actual big apple. Right. So, uh, yeah, um, they call it both. No one that lives there actually calls it one or the other though. Right. Se. So it's,
0: it's similar to like the California residents don't call California Cali. It yeah. irks them so i'm assuming saying uh the uh, the big apple probably the new yorkers are like what what are you saying why are you saying it like that now here's here i guess is the biggest thing because when i touch down in new york city i know that i have tourists written all over me yeah what is it that makes you a new yorker like what are some key things you think
1: um Honestly, the one thing that comes to mind first off is being able to walk extremely fast. Uh, it sounds weird, but like if you walk around, you can tell who tourists are for the most part. Most of them have, uh, you know, camera around their neck for sure. Right. Um, they only want to go to Times Square or the big um, touristy spots. They don't really go I to the nooks and crannies. Right <laughs> No, like I, I've no, been right. there. I know. I've been there. But uh, do I like going there? No. Um there's been some drunk nights where me and some buddies have wandered that way just to, to tourist watch, more or less. But um, the real way is someone who's walking fast and just basically has blinders on. On a mission. Yeah, that's that looks like a New Yorker to me. Okay. Because all the other people... Oh, the other main thing... Um, when a homeless person goes up to you and asks for change, a New Yorker will act like they don't even exist. They'll just walk right past them. Keep it moving. Even push them out of the way half of the time. So, uh Tourists will definitely stop and ask everything, you know? How did so, this happen? What's going on?
0: <laughs> I was in New York, probably. It was for one of my birthdays. Me and my mom flew out and immediately... Got right to I think we stayed in Times Square, so we're immediately like in that mix. And I just remember some street performers, which they're everywhere, come up and they're handing us these CDs Two black dudes dreads. And they're like, hey, man, we got these we got these CDs. They're free. Check them out. And I'm like caught up, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid, but I look grown and I'm yeah. with my mom. They can't tell what's going on. And I'm like, oh, thanks, I guess. And they're like, hey, we, they signed it. And they're like, here, man, all, all we ask is you make a donation for our next project. And I'm like, I don't have money. Dude snatched it out of my hand so fast and was like, all right, well, never mind then. I was like, damn, like New York is a ruthless city. Dude, I have been there
1: in the best part. If you look. When they sign your name on it, they use an Expo marker <laughs> so, they so they can wipe it, wipe right wipe off. it off right after because they do that all day. Oh, my God. So uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Dude. All right.
0: I'm not the only one. that no, got shit it, ripped it out of my It happened to head.
1: me uh, the first time I went there, actually. I had a $5 CD in my hand, and I actually paid for it. <laughs> and me and my buddy listened to it over and over again, and it was the... Uh, the most fire trash that i've ever listened to that, in my life
0: maybe maybe Keyword trash though right but, nowadays i feel like any any hip-hop can be trash as yeah, long as it's got a good beat exactly. you're going somewhere Not wrong there <laughs> so new york culture is definitely its own thing yeah. i don't think it mimics anyone else it is its own beast um just much like california i think it it's been cultivated after years and Mm -hmm. years um so more so than anything what's a a day-to-day fit I mean I feel like I'm always watching people wear Carhartt jackets some type of cap whether it's a beanie or a flat belt something what's a a typical New York fit I'll give you two seasons winter and summer Tim's Tim's. Oh, dead dude, ass. Tim's. Yeah, yeah.
1: Tim's usually cuffed jeans at the bottom. Depends where you are. Like if it's an actual New Yorker, like a dude from the Bronx or Brooklyn, usually Tim's. Uh, each borough has a different spot and each spot has like, you know, in in, uh, in Queens, there's the Russian Jew area. there There's okay, yeah. where, where my roommate was from. Uh, that's just a spot that they're known for, you know, s- simple life. Um, they don't get out and do much per se. Uh, but I the mean, they, houses have a, are beautiful. they have a different, yeah. They have a different style down there compared to the Bronx and then compared to West Harlem. I mean, everyone has different styles, but when you get to like, I'd say, uh, like Manhattan, a lot of it, let me say, it's rare that you actually find someone from born and raised uh, that lives in Manhattan uh, from Manhattan. So, Fair enough. The fit's a little different out there. It's those modernist, whatever's the vibe at the moment, you know? Right. So um, they
0: stay up on trends yeah, and fashion 100%
1: shit. 100%. Look like they just walked out of an urban outfitter. Right. Um, <laughs> out there, probably a little nicer stores. But anyways, yeah, so it's just whatever the vibe is at the moment. I mean, when I lived out there, I wore a bunch of sweaters, but I don't wear no sweaters anymore. No so, <laughs> so, so sweaters are changes. dead. It changes.
0: It changes. I like that. Yeah. I definitely like. It. I I think regardless of. So is that what you guys can? That's what it is. Boroughs, Bronx, Harlem, all that. Yeah. Those are called boroughs.
1: Yeah. So the five boroughs.
0: All right. Yep. Which is Harlem, Queens,
1: Bronx, um, G Brooklyn, Manhattan. Then uh,
0: is Staten Island a, a borough or no?
1: Actually, is there five boroughs? I should know this.
0: <laughs> no, I mean no, not no, really.
1: Um, St. Stan- I don't know what's the fifth borough. Is it Bronx? Is it... Okay, Harlem, Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan. And Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Fair yeah. enough. Hey, I'm learning. <laughs> so am I. So am I. So I guess where you go, you're you're good everywhere, right? I mean, you can go to any of these boroughs as an outsider, or is that not always the case? Uh,
1: you can. The, the Honestly, the main thing is if you don't walk around like a tourist... Like like I said, you just kind of have blinders on and do your thing and don't look around really. Like, right. I mean, you can enjoy yourself and live a good life and be happy, but don't be just staring at someone who's like sitting on the side of the road like a little crackhead itching his arm. And, like
0: Right, because like, they will probably fuck you it, up.
1: <laughs> expect it, because then people are going to know, well, this dude's not from around here. He's never seen this. We can probably fuck with this dude if we want. But truthfully, I've never had any problems. Um just like everywhere, though, it depends on what time of the day you go and where you go. Yeah. Um, uh, some places are better than others, but I've never once feared or been worried. I mean, there was a couple of times I fell asleep on the subway at four in the morning by myself, all the way up into Brooklyn or down in Brooklyn, then all the way back up to, like, the Bronx, literally for a couple hours just going back Cruising. and forth and no one touched <laughs> me. No one did anything.
0: I like that.
1: Uh, so, yeah, it just depends. I mean... It's always different.
0: Let me ask you this, because I guess uh, pop culture kind of makes it seem like New York's favorite saying is fuck you. Is that as as real as they paint it out to be? I mean, are you walking around telling everyone to fuck themselves? Uh, I mean, kind of, yeah. Okay. Everyone's fucking themselves
1: out there for the most part. (laughs) But uh, truthfully, so my my old roommate, he lives in... uh, russian jew area in in brooklyn and i don't mean saying jew in like a bad way no no, just, no yeah yeah that's that's what he called it that's so um but he um wait what was i talking about
0: <laughs> the fuck yous
1: oh yeah he born and raised out there um lived in manhattan as well moved around but uh the one thing him and all his buddies say is fuck outta you that's what they say and it's not With that like New
0: York accent. They
1: don't try to like push the New York accent. They just say it. And even when I was living out there, I was like, oh, dude, I want to pick something up. I want to yes. like have that <laughs> slang. I started saying it a little bit. I was like, this ain't it. This ain't, this ain't, ain't it. This
0: ain't... <laughs> does Does any of that 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 New York accent inevitably wear off on you?
1: Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I honestly there was certain words I was saying. Like one I would say like, fuck out of here. I kind of, like, would do it instead of, I mean, out here. Yeah, make it as a white... you get it. the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> right. But out of there, you just fucking put it all together. You're eliminating, yeah. Yeah. But, um, I mean, some words did rub off. None that I can particularly think of right now. But, uh, that is the one thing that I can really say I did try and... and I like ...started that. integrating it into my vocabulary.
0: So, when I went down to Florida, I think the first few things, one, um... I mean, I picked up on, I think, more Spanish than I learned all four years of high school and in junior high. But it was a lot of like Florida cracker, like white people slang. So I remember one time, one of our friends is in the area and she she calls me and I'm like, hey, she's like, I'm in Florida. I say, well, that's awesome. What are y'all doing tonight? And she said, did you just say y'all on the phone? And I said, (laughs) maybe I did. I said, she goes, you've been in Florida too long, dude. I said, damn. I said, and I still to this day, y'all has not left my vocabulary. Dude,
1: that's one word I always say too. <laughs> I always wonder if when I type it out or say, it, I always think about it. Like I just said, y'all. I right, someone's gonna say something <laughs> feel, for no reason though. You feel I don't like know ratchet. Why I said it, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: see, and it's just little things like that where it's just like it reminds you of the places you've been, yeah. I guess, in life, and I yeah. like that. Um, all right, so what took you to New York to begin with?
1: So. Um, Bring it back to senior year of high school. Ah, um, I was I was going to culinary school for uh, a vocational school, um, Lorraine County, JVS, as you know, and mm-hmm. many around here do. Um, lucky enough to have an amazing chef who's actually retiring this year after, honestly, probably like 30 years. Wow. 20, 30 years uh, teaching out there. Um, amazing chef by the name Timothy Mickage.
0: Shout out, um, chef.
1: Yeah, shout out Chef. But anyways, uh my senior year I was planning to just go to Lorraine County mm-hmm. Community College and they were starting up their culinary program. I think it was going to be the first or second year. And I was like set. I was like, "You know, I'm going to just go here. I'm going to, you know, maybe start a business of my own, maybe take over my parents' restaurant." I didn't really have a set idea on what I was doing, and he kind of pulled me aside. Um actually the last week of my senior year of high school. And he said, I think you should go to the CIA, which is the Culinary Institute of America yes, uh, in Hyde Park, New York. And um, that's his alumni as well. So he was like, I really think you do well here. And uh, in a sense, I was kind of his go-to guy um, for my grade, for my uh, graduating year. So we got along really well. We still talk all the, uh, not all the time, but here and there. And you guys keep up. yeah." help him out when he needs. Um, So that's what sent me out there. I I applied that same night, I'm pretty sure. And um, like two weeks after graduation, I got accepted.
0: That's huge. And
1: I kind of freaked out, didn't know what I was gonna do and and went for it. But yeah, that's that's what brought me out there, going to culinary school, um, going to Hyde Park.
0: That's awesome. So when you applied with him being alum, is it is it much like just applying? I mean, because this is is one of the best culinary in schools in not just the nation but the world.
1: Yeah, correct.
0: So, with him being alumni, does he write a letter of recommendation? I mean, what is the application process like to get into something so kind of prestigious?
1: You actually do get a um, a grant, not a grant, a scholarship for having uh, an alumni write you a recommendation wow. letter. Him being. That one. So that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I did get a recommendation letter through him. And then a couple other, uh, individuals that I worked with uh, fortunate enough to work with throughout the years. Um, after that, I kind of just, I don't even know how long I waited before uh, getting a response. But, um, once I got the response, I remember just talking to this one woman in the office over and over again, like (laughs) everything I need, just asking a thousand questions. And then, uh, couple months later by the time I actually got out there I finally met her in person and sweetheart of a lady felt like you knew her yeah I was like mom what's up (laughs) yep but um so simple process I mean typical to I'd say to applying at most other places but the thing was with culinary school um it's a very different curriculum um which sounds like it would be obvious but when I went there That's how I saw college. So Mm -hmm. actually, after CIA, once I graduated um, and finished working out in New York and stuff, I moved back home and went to Kent State. Yeah, and that was a whole different ball game. (laughs) I thought so. Culinary school—you basically apply, and it was a set curriculum from start to finish. Every three weeks changes up different classes, different kitchens. You work in three weeks. So the first three months are one main class called fundamentals. They teach you all the basics of traditional French cooking. Okay. Uh, the mother sauces, different, uh, cooking techniques, neck techniques, uh, stuff like that. Um, different dishes, um, consommes,
0: which is incredibly hard to learn. I mean, at the, without any knowledge, Yeah. it does. It, it's, it takes some time. Oh yeah, it does for sure. Um, and overall being
1: at culinary school is the way I did it. I kind of regret it. It, it was still school to me mm-hmm. and, uh, I was so excited. But once I got there, I was like, all right, this is school, you know, you just try to like handle get it as by. such. Yeah. Right. You know, you try to get by and just make it quick, get it done quick and over with so you can go out and do your thing and graduate. Right. And I didn't retain as much stuff as I wish I would have, um, or put in, uh, all the effort that I wish I would have uh, have done because I mean, there's so many different, um, opportunities at Ooh, the culinary right. school you're gifted a beautiful library with so many different books that sadly i'd never read um i wish i would have uh so many amazing chefs some who were master chefs uh, and there's only very few in the world that i was able to learn from um great job opportunities after graduation and during school in general so from
0: networking yourself yeah. and your skills I, I get that
1: yeah so um although i have received a lot of skills and um just a good mindset from being there
0: oh yeah and a the lot knowledge of in general
1: a huge network still lucky to have so many the friends that i do uh and the people that i've met along the way but i wish i would have uh just taken a lot more from it that's my personal
0: right kind of thing Now, with MasterChef, what does it take to become a MasterChef? So, I don't know the exact
1: course that it is. I'm pretty sure it's like a three-day. So, there's a... Man. There's a um, CEC, Certified Executive Chef, which you have to take like a one-day course of like all the basics and stuff and like be able to show that you can cook all the main things, the mother sauces, different techniques and stuff. And then to be a master chef, I, I forget how many days it is, but I feel like it's like three days or something. And it's just like the knowledge of basically everything. But um,
0: I'm assuming they leave little room for air. Yeah. Don't uh, break a sauce. I've, get the I've, fuck yeah, out. <laughs> I've
1: never really looked into the actual criteria needed or or, or how the uh, process goes, but I'm pretty. it's a grueling process yeah. from what i've heard i mean three
0: days oh I my mean, god
1: i'm almost 99 percent sure it's three days but there's also i honestly i feel like there's only like 13 master chefs in the world there's probably more than that but right, that just right. in my head like I, I remember someone telling me that back in the day so mm-hmm. yeah, that's what i was just thought you know, yeah and never i never questioned
0: it I, the process in general is just growing oh, yeah. growing through culinary school is not a, a yeah an easy thing no um the culture shock of going to Kent though, what yeah. was that like? So uh you know,
1: culinary school was small, knit, you knew everyone. Um, everyone had the same interests. I mean everyone was going to culinary school. Where you I,
0: immediately I, have a bond with yeah, the exactly. next person.
1: And then switching it up going to Kent was a whole new ball game. Um I was taking class with classes with seventeen and eighteen year olds. Um and I think I was 20 at the time. Yeah. So not not a huge difference, but just personally, I was like, "Oh, these kids just graduated high school."
0: And you both and think
1: and mind me, I just was in you New came York from exactly. And, and and not in like I'm better than you, way. But it was just a step back for me. I had to kind of get over that at first. Um, and that was just a personal issue I was going through. I was like, "Did I do the right choice?" I feel like I took ten steps forward and five st- or opposite of that five steps forward ten steps back but uh in the end i'm blessed for both experiences Mm -hmm. um kent definitely was a shock and one of the main reasons i honestly went was to get that real college experience right because uh culinary school without questions was an institution um everything was uh similar to a brigade to a uh military brigade everything's tight-knit in order have to be, you know, this they don't exact fuck way around. 24-7. Yeah, so I wanted to be able to enjoy my 20s and go party and get shit-faced and not worry about anything and and skip class without knowing I just failed for skipping one day. Like,
0: <laughs> right, and college living is different. Oh, 100%. You know, 100%. It's a different vibe. It's a, a tired... There is nothing like it that you'll go through again in your life. Oh, no. You know, and all. that's why I think it's important for someone to at least capture a bit of the college experience. Yeah. You know, so I get that mm-hmm. now. Do you now looking back? I mean, you did say you don't regret it. That's a fucking rabbit. Oh. Um, his name is Elvis. Hey, Elvis. It's kind of cool.
1: My uh, niece's name is Elvis. That's that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the king.
0: And, uh, uh, oh all right, we're going to take a quick break, guys. We'll be right back. All right, guys. I apologize for the interruption. UPS came with some rabbit toys, and we ended up playing with a bunny. So we are back, and we were talking about college. So um, you don't regret it, which is good. Yep. The, the mindset you have to have, though, to complete one kind of like grueling boot camp experience and then yeah. just go right into like another. Uh you got to give yourself credit on that end as well though cuz most people I don't think really have that. I mean very few people have that determination to go get to complete one obstacle and then immediately try to complete another. Yeah. I mean so in that way is you know it is it is amazing. But that's always kind of been your grind has it not? I mean
1: um in a sense, I mean, I mean, even growing up, think of sports. Uh,
0: dude, you were the only kid brother, I knew that could backflip.
1: Oh, dude, me and Brian Young, Brian yes. Young too. Him and I uh, did some backflips off. i <laughs> I could do flat ground backflips. Yes, and he couldn't. And then he could do backflips off of big a stair like, set or yeah, something, like, right? Yeah, uh, basketball hoop and stuff like that, and I couldn't. So one time we tried to we like taught each other and I went on top of a slide at uh, Powers or Harris wherever it was and I like went straight up and just came straight down on my head Ugh. on the slide and like fell off into the mulch and I was like oh shit dude that wasn't cool I'm gonna try it again and I landed it oh you stuck it yeah see like, you got to push away and I was like oh okay that makes sense but yeah I used to be able to backflip. <laughs> back in the day but
0: that does go yeah, to yeah. determination
1: yeah i was homesick and my brother was like bet you can't backflip so uh or not homesick sick from school whatever right. uh at home my brother was watching me uh my oldest brother anthony and his buddy came over we're in the yard because it was a nice day and um yeah they were talking about backflips and i was like i'm gonna try it. and i just kind of did it uh after a few goes so that's how it all started. I
0: love that shit. I remember, dude. This might have even been on MySpace. Someone just recording you, like outside of the junior high, and I just watch you just effortlessly do this on flat ground, and I just being like, "What the fuck is that? Yeah. Like, who the who does that?"
1: Yeah, super casual. Um, but you were like that in, yeah. in
0: anything. In anything you wanted well, to do, you, you kind of you did it. Well, thank you. You're welcome. You. You're welcome. But I think it does obviously show. What you've done, obviously, in your uh, young adult life and into your adult life, the things you've accomplished, the things you've, you know, decided to do. Um, back kind of going back a little bit. I know I've taken you all over the place. Um, you're, you're in culinary school. Mm -hmm. Now you, you finish, you said you're in Hyde Park. What takes you then to New York City? So, um, it's based basically on the curriculum.
1: When I first moved out there, I moved straight to Hyde Park, which is an hour north of the city. You gotta take a train along the Hudson River south to get to New York City. Um, takes you in a Grand Central Station and different spots throughout Harlem and whatnot. Um, anyways, I, for this cur- curriculum for CIA, you have to do a six month uh, internship. Uh, we call them externships uh, for some reason. Anyways, when I was applying, like, you know, I was looking up all these different places and then... The, was it paid? Uh, yes, it was. Okay, that's why. Uh, not all were. Oh. Though, um, you could literally go anywhere in the world as long as Damn. the company would accept you. um, And then as long as they met the criteria for the culinary school to kind of have a... Uh, just mesh everything together because they have to be able to grade it and like put it into your grades and stuff like
0: that. So you can go anywhere with kind of within reason. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, I, I had people that I knew go to Australia, Canada, different parts of the U.S., wow. I mean, literally all over. Um, so that was a cool thing. It opened your the door. I mean, you got your foot in the door, at least, mm-hmm. uh, to many different places just from applying and being a CIA student. But at the same time, during that time, I mean, it, the CIA stigma wasn't the best. Uh, being a student, it was kind of like, oh, you're this preppy little asshole. Okay. That your parents have money. They want to get you here, which wasn't true. I mean, most I, I knew friends who could barely, uh, couldn't really afford food at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, luckily enough, I had my family helping me when I needed. Uh, for the most part, I did a lot of stuff on my own to the point where... When I was actually living in the city, I ate um, a dollar-sliced pizza seven days a week uh, just to be able to So you guys eat. were getting it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a, I mean...
0: actually the farthest uh, stereotype yeah. from yeah. the actual truth. So,
1: like, I mean, wow, if I needed help or money, my parents would have helped me without question. I mean, I'm blessed for that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want that help, uh, per se. But... Um,
0: I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's just
1: kind of my thing is like a main reason why I even don't want to take over my parents restaurant is I kind of want to struggle and like figure things out for myself and be Beautiful able to things come from earn it. something that I put that work in for rather than just feel like something is being handed to me. I like that. Um, I just don't want that feeling. Um, but or don't like that feeling
0: so you like that long not term that
1: I disrespect that like absolutely if someone no. has that hell yeah that is awesome i have friends and family who are lucky enough to have family that has businesses that they can go into but i i just not for me personally
0: and you kind of enjoy much like i i mean i i do as well it, Kind of, yeah. Uh, you like to kind of put in that footwork to see a long term goal pay yeah. off, yeah. Which, man, is that shit fun? Hell yeah, it is. And it builds it character, which yeah. I don't think a lot of people are comfortable with doing, yeah. And in times, I'm not. You know, yeah. sometimes I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do this. Yeah, like, dude, I really don't want to do
1: it. That's how I am right now. You know.
0: Yeah, that's so, awesome, dude.
1: But um, so yeah, what actually brought me to New York City was, uh, I, I was asking a. A family friend, someone we grew up with, uh, he was a chef in New York City at the time, uh, one of my brother's best friends and roommate at the time as well, mm-hmm. uh, my oldest brother, Anthony. And I was asking him, like, dude, what questions or, or, or what kitchen should I go into? Should I try out? And he's like naming a bunch of the greats. Um, Danielle by Danielle Balloud. Um He was talking about, per se, maybe going out to Pebble Beach, um, which... California is one of the best resorts in the world. Just absolutely beautiful, great golf course. I mean, they have a tour uh, stop there every year. It's, it's known for, wow. for being absolutely... Just, for their dining? No, uh, sorry, a PJ Golf Tour. They have oh, a stop yeah, yeah. there every year. Absolute, so so Beach, that would be the best... Place, like, I yeah. didn't know that
0: was a resort.
1: So absolutely gorgeous out there. Um, yeah. that, was a, that was an idea. And then he also mentioned EMP, which is 11 Madison Park. Um, This ended up being the place that uh, I went and did a stage, meaning basically going in and applying uh, firsthand, working for the day for free to see if I am a fit for the restaurant. I like that. Um, So I I did that for a couple restaurants. Danielle being another one of them Um, didn't work out there. Uh, Honestly, I just wasn't prepared, kind of like didn't have all the knowledge. I mean, didn't have all the knowledge to, to be, be able to go there.
0: Do you think they're um, pushing you though? a little extra hard just to, Oh yeah. 100%, the stress test Hundred percent
1: to see if I'm just like a, you know, a, a, a bozo in a chef jacket or, or right. someone who actually has the time and, and care to spend reading and researching and, and putting my heart out there and, and busting my ass every day to be in a kitchen that I want to be in. Right. Um, But, uh, my, my buddy, he, he mentioned EMP and I honestly had no idea what EMP was. I wasn't like all the restaurants that I knew about, I learned from my friends. Like they would be like, Oh yeah, this chef, I have this book and stuff. I was never the person who like grew up reading chef books or like really knew a lot about Actual fine dining or different things like that until right. I got to New York,
0: which is okay. I yeah, mean, you, if you like to learn hands on, you're yeah. you inspire yourself, yeah, exactly. Which is okay.
1: So, um, I was like, okay, I'll try EMP. Like he was saying, it's an amazing restaurant. I go there, absolutely
0: beautiful there. Um, that sounds even just the address that yeah. just sounds sexy, dude. Yeah, dude, it was <laughs> it
1: was amazing. So, um, I applied, uh one day, they didn't respond about a week later. I applied again, just emailing, mm-hmm. putting an application, uh, writing them. Uh, you know, I'm CIA student. I'm looking for an externship. I would love to be there. Uh, working at EMP, learning for myself and uh, being a part of the team, growing. you know." Um, and then I applied. Like I waited. I was like, damn, they're not going to respond. So I was like thinking about other places. Mm-hmm. And then I applied one more time and then called the same day, and I got in touch with uh, one of the women in HR, and I was like, and honestly, it felt like she accidentally got the phone handed to her, but she was (laughs) the main person in HR, and I was like, hey, uh, this is Dylan McCarty. I put in a couple of applications. I just wanted to check in on those. Uh, I'm a CIA student. I would really love to be a part of uh your guys's team if i can come in and do a stage anytime that would be amazing and she was like oh my god i was just going to get back to you uh-huh. i was like <laughs> awesome cool so they gave me an opportunity got my foot in the door um i went in and did a stage and i had to cook a traditional french omelet for the sous chef uh chef chris flint um and uh i did he gave me two eggs in a in a steel pan Eight or, so basically it was going to stick mm-hmm. so the goal was to cook it perfectly have good flavor and make it not stick and be able to roll a traditional french no omelet. no
0: room for and, air
1: and i practiced over and over again knowing that that's what he would have me do i kind of had a buddy who used to work there that kind of helped me out with that cool so by the time i got there i was ready <laughs> i was good at french omelets. <laughs> And my friend said, don't do anything crazy, just make a beautiful French omelet, season it well, rub, uh, put butter on top and leave it at that. Roll it nice, make sure it's got good color, runny inside. And that's what I did. And uh, I brought it to him, he was like, you know, with 20, 30 minutes to make a French omelet, most people, and all the ingredients you can think of, most people bring me a beautiful French omelet with onions and mushrooms. And and uh, or a little salad with it, you know, different things, fennel salad, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and all you're giving me is just an omelet. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, to be honest with you, um, a chef, his name is uh, oh, I just blanked out on his name, anyways. My friend who had the insight, um, Chris Ono, that's his name. Okay, Chris ono. I was like, he uh, is a friend of yours and told me or he used to work here as well. And he told me if I'm going to do it, just do it right and do it. Perfect. And Simple, that's what I easy did. does it. And he was like, and he looked at me and kind of smiled and was just like, okay. Um, and long story short, I got a job. You got uh, respect yeah. points there yeah. too though. Uh, he ended up that chef, chef, Chris Flynn. He didn't like me too much. Him and then I got <laughs> in a couple of flights. uh, yeah, but um, in the end, in the end, he grew respect for me. There was one situation, and in, in, in particular, where uh, we were face to face after drinking, and um. Literally, pushing each other back and forth, and he, and he was like, "I dare you to hit me." He was like you're done, your externship's done, blah, 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 all this shit. He was like, do something, I dare you. He was like, I used to beat motherfuckers in the street all day because he actually used to be homeless. Oh, shit. So he was like a hardcore brawler, Gritty. skater dude, like, and he just didn't fucking like me. And um, and I just looked at, or like I pushed him, and, he, and then he said that, and I just looked at him, and I just walked away and didn't do anything. Yeah. And the next day he came in, and he was like, and uh, he sat me down, And, uh, basically said, I've been trying to break you down this whole time and you haven't. And now like, he actually, what started the pushing match was we were just drunk. He was talking shit and I was like laughing it off. And then he gave me a tapper. Damn. And that's when I pushed him. I was like, what the fuck dude? And like, yeah, everything ensued. But, um, he was like, I've been trying to break you down and in all this stuff. And he was like, and from there on, he he respected me more. He was a lot nicer to me. Like every day was cool. He'd always say "what up." But before that, he was always just a dick.
0: Now, do I you? Mean... Go ahead.
1: So, to give the people listening and you a insight, EMP ended up being that year the number one restaurant in the world. Um, so, this is why, or a big reason on why. He was just kind of break people trying to break people down and see what their true like value is and reason for being there like he 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 told me this he was like I didn't know if you were just some rich punk who thought you could come in here and like you were a hot shit and you would end up being nothing or you actually wanted to try and bust your this. ass. He was like I was going I was trying to see if you'd leave and quit or you'd stay and and keep your head down and keep working and he was like and you did that you you stayed and you keep doing your thing. So after that, you kind of had respect, but Dude, it was a rough road up until that. You know,
0: I think it's I think it's amazing uh, what the culinary world, just the vast amount of people that you run into, and yeah. it kind of goes back to exactly what you said that. That CIA badge can either be worn with honor or can be worn and disrespected. Yeah, you know, people will always make their own own opinions. I'm sure that in in New York, just the state in general, um, especially just being a powerhouse for influence um, for food in the entire nation, in some places the entire world, they're going to be quick to judge the CIA student. Oh yeah, I mean, I get it. The thing is. Uh, outside of school and you're in a kitchen and you're working, you meet so many different walks of life where you guys once again have one interest, but everything else can be total opposites. I mean, you're, you're talking to a man that was homeless Mm -hmm. and is now probably one of the most hardworking people in that entire kitchen. Yep. Uh, it's amazing. I always thought that there was like a beauty behind that as much tension. I feel like there always is in, in the restaurant business at the end of the day, there's like an alliance, there's a brotherhood, there's a camaraderie that's just under that skin of, of tension and, and arguments. Yeah. Without question. Um, which is awesome. It's a
1: beauty. That's for sure. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, to be able to experience that. And the main thing that always drew me to the culinary scene was just the, sorry, the like-minded individuals, like, I wanted to do this. I wanted to be this cook. I wanted to, you know, work at these restaurants and talk about this. And on the weekends, me and my friends were going and buying different ingredients and just like fucking off and, and making random shit just yes. for the hell of it. Stuff we've never tried, stuff that we were good at to show others, teaching others how to do stuff. I had a friend from Japan who would show me traditional things. A friend from uh, New Orleans who sh- showed me some stuff. A friend from... um the Philippines as well, who, who who had random shit as well. Like, right. so I was getting from to what learn, they grew up. Yeah, huh? so I was getting to learn a little bit about all these different cultures and and cuisines, and and being able to be in a kitchen and and talk to these different people from all around the world about what they've gone through to get where they're at mm-hmm. um, is one thing that I was truly blessed to experience because in Kent, although I met a lot of amazing people, I didn't. Have that that's kind of what dropped me out of the food scene because in my head, I would think about all this stuff, and I'm not one who goes out and really talks about my experiences mm-hmm. um I have even close friends who don't know I worked at that restaurant or or know that I worked there and don't know how prestigious of a restaurant it was, or it is still sorry um so you know i I stopped being around those like minded individuals for myself in having that kitchen mentality that rough Mm -hmm. uh rugged uh feel with you know that hard work and passion and that's what kind of like made me fall out of the scene in a sense i mean i still love cooking but i can truly say like one thing that uh up until recently i struggled with was realizing that at the moment cooking really isn't my passion anymore like i love it i do but Do I want to, do I think about it 24 seven? Not anymore. I used to. Yeah. And I struggled with that. I was like, what, what the hell am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. I worked at this restaurant, went to this school, lived in New York city at 18, 19 years old was like living the everyday life that people were, were lucky to be dreaming to do and, and fortunate enough to be able to do that. And, and now I'm here and I like, I don't even remember half the shit. Like I didn't retain so much stuff. And that's why earlier on, I wish I would have taken that culinary school approach more serious and, and read and, and done mm-hmm. all those things to at least um, continue invoking my thought process in, in the food industry and in food and stuff.
0: I like that. Yeah. Um, you know, the main thing is is, and really what kind of it didn't change my perspective. I, you know, I I adore you, but what what kind of gave me more respect for you is the fact that you didn't read up on people. You didn't read up on famous chefs. I feel like for for me, like it's easy for me to pull a lot of my approach and mentality and thought process to the culinary world from what I read from Anthony Bourdain yep. and 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 just reading. Uh, you inspired yourself, which is in 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 some ways. The coolest thing—you're not looking to pull influence from another source. Yeah. You're not looking to mock. You you kind of create your own.
1: Yeah, I never thought of it that way, but I mean it's that's cool. cool to th- yeah, it it's is. Cool to think about. Um,
0: and and I think that it's a hundred percent okay to not be passionate or, um, think that that's the right move for you right now. Yeah. I mean, I struggled when I was when I when I knew I was done. Um, just leaving the scene in general, I had just worked through all these milestones in, in the career that I thought I would do for the rest of my life. And, you know, I remember trying to quit and they were like, can you at least give us, you know, another month? I tried to push it out longer. And I just remember by the end of it, I was so done with the cooking and just everything that I somewhat resented it mm-hmm. to the point where, I mean, I have a conversation every day where people are like, you know, what did you do before you were in sales? You know, oh, I was a I was a sous chef. Oh, I I did this, I did that, and they're like, why the fuck are you not back in the kitchen? And yeah. I said, because it's not what I love to do. Yeah, and it's okay, <clears throat> you know. But for the same time, I I feel like I was so used to it, and it matched my lifestyle because once again, there's so many different personalities. Dude,
1: retweet that, bro.
0: <laughs> you know, so I I get it, I get it, and uh, it's once again it's your story and yeah. i think everyone has their own story to tell
1: i think going off what you just said that really like hit home for me is is that lifestyle in general mm-hmm. and i mean talking to my parents and uncles uh who've owned restaurants when i was going to culinary school and when i was moving to new york and doing all this stuff they're like this is what you want to do you know this is hard work and I mean, I've seen my parents have owned a restaurant for thirty five years i've right. seen your my entire whole life. life exactly yeah. so I, I know what goes into it. I mean, they themselves work, work six days a week, twelve hours a day almost mm-hmm. um both parents they're constantly there um so my whole childhood i I knew what it was like to to have something that was yours. And in, in order for it to be yours, you got to fucking put in the work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't come easy. Otherwise, everyone would do it and <laughs> or be successful facts. at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I got asked that over and over again. Like, this is what you want to do. You know, it's hard work. You don't get holidays like you're working all the time. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, this is it. And I for years and years, I that was the the truest thing to me. I was like, yeah, without question. Yep. This is what I want. And then not until I went to Kent and um, worked some other jobs and even more recently within the last two years more gotten to stocks and trading and and stuff like that. And I'm not great at it. I mean, I've made money, yes, but um, so much to learn. Uh, But once I realized I can make money without having to fucking work nights all day every holidays. day like for instance when i was a sous chef at a restaurant called green fig that was uh, when i moved back there for one of the summers i would go back and forth for the summers when i was living in kent i would go back to help out at different restaurants so uh, i was a sous chef at a restaurant called the green fig it was an israeli restaurant in hell's Whoa. kitchen um a couple blocks from from the west coast of or west shore of manhattan um, but uh, I mean I worked six days a week and I would get in at 11am and leave around 2 to 3am man six dude six days a week so
0: that was your life
1: yeah dude and I fucking loved it Yeah, I loved it and I went from that to going to Kent and then now making money more money than I did just by trading and learning about stocks and stuff now I'm like I'll have to fucking slave my life away (laughs) to be able to make a good living and enjoy life and be able to say, oh, yeah, I went and did this. Or, I mean, my parents just started traveling recently within the last five to ten years before that. They never fucking left. Mm -hmm. They didn't take any breaks. Even still, they only go once a year at most Mm -hmm. somewhere um, to enjoy themselves for a week.
0: And then it's right back to it.
1: Being, I mean, my dad's 60, my mother's 63 to go once a week when you're that age after you've owned a restaurant for 35 years. It's got to be crazy. Yeah. With all the work they put in, if you put that same work into, into finance or into stocks, <laughs> all, like they would be fucking millionaires. Right. They would not have a worry. They would be retired. They would, mm-hmm. But with your own restaurant, when you want it to run the way you want it to run and, and, and keep going on for hopefully generations then you got to fucking be there. It's like having a day. child
0: that is always an infant. Yep. It always requires Dude, attention and exactly.
1: care. 100% well said. Yeah. And uh, so I just realized, you know, that lifestyle isn't for me anymore. That's a main reason why that passion for cooking kind of left because I was like, I want to fucking travel and explore. And I do want to like move overseas and learn about cuisines and cultures and still have food involved in my life. But in a more realistic way, to me, yes, where I can still be Enjoy. happy individual, yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah. and and for some people they do they that there are people that I have met along this culinary adventure where I understand that that is them, yeah, that 100%. is if anyone was made for it, it is them, yeah, and I and I love to see it because they're the they're the generation, they're our generation yeah. that's going to continue to innovate and and create and change we know as culinary it's culinary uh inventions and i like that Mm -hmm. but for me it's if i continue to keep this mindset especially with where my life's at today i will do it at the cost of my family my daughter anything that i hold true because that has to come first it always has to come first if you want it to be successful if you choose to be successful yep above all else you know you have to put that number one on priority list so i get it you know i 100 percent get that i i like that i don't think i've ever actually heard that directly from someone so i like the way that you kind of broke that down and, and and got into it thank you the other thing is just like it is for some people i always feel like like, the stock market is for a particular person as well. It requires a patient, knowledgeable, and uh, hungry person. Yeah. Because the average Joe can't just walk into that job either. You yeah. You know, they can't just walk into day trading and, and immediately become great. Yeah. You know, so I, I guess I give respect on either end. Yeah. Um, and there's, it, Yeah keeping that nearby you know it's always a it's always a a gun in the holster Mm -hmm. if you need to use your creative skills you you can oh hell yeah that's the thing i i mean to have gone to the
1: school schools i have even in high school and then um college for both culinary and business school at kent and then to be able to work at the restaurants that i have and uh, be a sous chef at another one in new york city a successful one and and have managed at my parents' restaurant and other ones. Uh, if I need a job in cooking, I'm lucky enough to be able to have, like, most places, uh, I I'd, I'd think would be happy to have me. But uh, also, I still have to put in that work. I don't expect anything to just handed get handed to, to me. I don't think you would. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you'd take it if it but was. Like, but, yeah, you know, I mean...
0: Do you have a lot of friends that you went to school with? Where are they all at now? Are a lot of them still in in the business? Yeah. Um, I mean, half and half. Okay. Some of my, I mean, I have some
1: talented friends that uh, are very successful that have been sous chefs at different places that have been pastry chefs and, and, and um, seconds, but I also have friends that, have nothing to do with food like mm-hmm. nothing in their life has anything to do with food um who've gone back to school business school or or uh finance and and doing all these different things or traveling and or starting podcasts i honestly I have friends doing all these different things but um i mean just like most places i mean growing up playing baseball you know everyone's a baseball star but <laughs> some people continue to do it some people stop right so it's the same same uh sense
0: that's a cool but, analogy there.
1: But with I I am very lucky enough to have a lot of friends still in the industry when I do go, go to New York City or or uh Los Angeles or wherever I may be that I kind of have that hook up going you, to different places which right. is pretty dope. That's always the best part of it, you know. You feel
0: like the man. Going to
1: Yeah, you do. You do. Um I there's many times that I've gone to very expensive restaurants absolutely amazing michelin star rated restaurants that i've eaten for free um just because of who i've known a couple hundred dollar dinner for myself uh that i've eaten for free just from those connections connection, my, yeah the dude. network and that's that's what i love and uh lucky for but um yeah, I do have a lot of friends out doing their thing. My cousin Davey, he's freaking killing it. Absolutely. Dude, he's come a long, long way. That's one person I truly am envious of. He's got that awesome passion. He's constantly working. He's mm-hmm. constantly doing his thing. He kind of like dabbles into a little bit of everything. Like I really never know what he's like honestly doing because he's just got <laughs> he's so much shit grinding. going on. But yeah, I'm envious of him. He's he's enjoying New York City now out yeah. there, uh, busting his ass. Uh, That's one person I'm really happy to see doing well for real. Yeah, shout out Um, Dave George. Yeah, shout out David George.
0: Amazing talent. Follow. Actually, hold on. I'm gonna pull up his IG so you guys can follow him. I am telling you, he lives life like a movie. Are you pulling it up? Yeah. Yeah. Shout out his handle.
1: It's David underscore George underscore official underscore.
0: You heard that
1: official shit. You heard it. Yeah, he's always cooking. He's continuously learning in in and um just treating himself to the world of culinary arts Mm -hmm. something that i used to do and and miss doing i just don't have that passion for it right but he fucking does and And i I love that knowledge i
0: mean it's it's awesome yeah it's awesome to see um so tell me if you ever still carry around some of the lingo because i will sometimes get it's only from someone who's been in the business but (laughs) if they say something to me and i'm like heard or if someone tries to, like, say something snobby to me, I'll be like, yes, chef, right away, chef. And, and they'll be like, what the f-? that one's more apparent yeah. than the herd. But when I say herd, people are like, what, the, what?
1: So that's different for me because so herd is a common term. Yeah. Um, when I went to culinary school, I said herd a lot, especially at JVS. I said herd a lot and then went to CIA would say it. And then people started saying stuff to me like. Oh yeah! Don't say "herd." Say "we," meaning yes, which is French uh, for yes. Okay. And I'd be like, "We, like, we chef, yes chef." Um, and then I was told this by kitchen veterans living and working in New York City, chefs at sous chefs, uh, line cooks, and stuff. Cause I would like say stuff or like day to day, you know, you're talking like, Hey, can I, you grab me a beer? Heard like we, yeah. yeah. You start using it for it's every your lingo. fucking thing. Yeah. Like even if it doesn't require an okay or yes, you say <laughs> heard. Right. Um, but, uh, so when I was out there, like I, I started switching it up cause they were like, yeah, people will make funny if you say that. So then I went to a place EMP where everything was, we, we, yes, chef. Like, you didn't talk in the kitchen, no music, no phones. If you did, you'd be thrown out. Like, mm-hmm. like oh, you didn't fucking yeah. speak. It, it was literally just a cadence. You stood where you needed to stand. You did everything the way it needed to be done. Um, and all you said was, we or yes, chef. That was it. Uh, but then I come back home and I hang out with friends who our great chefs around here in Cleveland at Dante and they say herd mm-hmm. and then i go to like culinary events out here and all they say is herd so that's how it like, is in florida yeah so it's different right like here if i put, say we they'll probably like this dude's a fucking loser. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it depends on where you are, but that lingo it holds true. I don't say it as much. Yeah. As soon as I step into a kitchen, though, like riding a fucking bike, it just
0: comes back. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'll um, even be shopping. So like, this is what's funny is is I'll be shopping. Put put me in a Giant Eagle, Walmart, yep. Target. I'm pushing the cart. You know, you hit you get that awkward spot where you got carts all over and there's people picking shit, especially with COVID. So I'll start hitting calls. Yep. You know, behind coming around oh, yeah. to your left and it's like
1: or even in spanish dude but like, <laughs> because i work with so many spanish dudes yep. so it's uh, it's just funny yeah it's,
0: it's so funny that it's like it's it's engraved in my brain to the point where obviously if i was in new york and someone said yo you're gonna get made fun of i'd eliminate it immediately but it just like just rolls off my tongue now
1: yeah dude behind though
0: behind so true <laughs> i
1: always say that no matter where i am yep uh, man, that was one thing like I came back home and my parents would say that at Old Town. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple things I, I'd like to think I instilled into them after coming home. Like uh, it, and that was definitely one of them. Isn't that Where cool? they now like they go out of the way to teach new uh, hires to stay behind. It's a safe way good. to do thing. Um, obviously, in being in the kitchen, hot stuff, sharp stuff, um, expensive stuff. So it's always a good way to communicate. Communication is key for sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's cool. You know, just Mm a, my mom will walk through the kitchen and be like behind. behind," (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, damn, Denise, you
0: little boss
1: ass bitch.
0: (laughs) I think that's Uh, also outside of just the things that you have done. Some of the cool things about like transferring from like just being a kid into a young adult. And then now like, here we are, our mid to late twenties. And, And we're starting to really evolve into who we're probably going to be the the majority of the rest of our life. And uh, seeing some of the things that like, you know, our parents constantly influencing and kind of molding us. And then we go out and get some culture Mm -hmm. to our lives and then instill it on them. I think that's like such a beautiful part of where we're at in life right now. It's like one of those hidden gems. Oh, 100%. Just seeing your parents do that. I like it.
1: And even... I mean,
0: as we get older, we understand where
1: our parents and all these adults and I mean, you see it in memes. Where we're like, oh, Chucky's dad from Rugrats. Now I know why I always look so tired. Like <laughs> you fucking understand. Yeah, you, you're you like, see same. all these different things. And <laughs> yep. same thing for our parents. I mean, there's so many everyday uh, grinds and struggles that I see them go through that I'm like, I know exactly what they're going through. I, I see mm-hmm. that I've been there. I've done that um which is cool i mean it does make you feel like holy shit i'm going to die soon cuz i'm getting real old <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, no but it just it makes you uh i don't know excited for what's to come yeah that's for sure
0: absolutely especially absolutely. like
1: seeing i mean your dad's a successful man i mean he he's done some awesome things and and same with my parents and to be able to know that like one day we could be in their shoes and be able to have a family and yeah, I mean, you luckily have a family for yourself. Yeah, very but young like, and new one. Yeah, but, yeah. but like, uh, it's an exciting moment for our lives, and you mm-hmm. said it well to be able to see where we're gonna be going
0: next, and
1: uh,
0: yeah, it's cool. It's definitely cool. So, guys, we're gonna take a quick break. We're not done just yet. We're almost at that hour mark, so we will be right back. Yeah. All right, guys, and we are back for the last break. Of today. So, one, I appreciate you guys listening thus far. I am going to go on a good old fashioned rant, something you guys are very familiar with on here because I get upset. I'm sensitive, a very sensitive and and fragile creature. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, something that's just been hitting me left and right. The universe is just showing me signs. of the the cancel culture, any podcast, any YouTube video, anything that I am on, I am seeing cancel culture. Once again, I mean, it's been a thing now for quite a while. Um, And I might trigger a few people by what I'm about to say, but I'm going to speak my opinion and to me, what appears to be fact. And I think that you guys are some sensitive pussies. I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, no, I'm not. I'm actually going to continue to rant. Here's the thing. I don't understand why you guys are so, so worried about what the next person's doing that you feel the need to cancel them and end their career, whatever it may be. So, one, I'll touch on one person who simply doesn't give a fuck, and that's Bill Burr. You know, Bill Burr um, is always pissing off someone. He's always trying. People are attempting to cancel him. The thing is, is you can't cancel someone who doesn't give a fuck. He never gives people attention. He doesn't address whatever it is you're trying to cancel him for. And most recently, um, he announced the best Latin musician yeah. something. Was that the Grammys? What was it?
1: I think, it, yeah, it was the Grammys. Um, But it wasn't aired. It was like a it little was pre, side. It was yeah. the
0: pre-show. And he gets on there and butchers the names and then proceeds to make a joke like, you know, he makes a joke about feminists. He makes a joke about all this different shit. And uh, once again, he's just pissing people off. Um, I just don't understand where, how miserable you have to be to end someone for something that was said and something that was meant to be a joke. You know, I, I get that the world and maybe the Gen Z movement has changed the way people approach things um even to talk on probably a way more touchy subject but the the David Dobrik situation where he is being canceled because of something someone else did is out it's it's insane to me you know he's being canceled because someone he decided was bad for business and cut ties with years prior had done something that wasn't okay and you know that he he's kind of been pushed into making some apology videos i think three now um all of which you know he's trying to protect himself and his assets and the things he's worked so hard to get and sometimes i guess when i put in perspective what exactly it is that that triggers people or makes people decide that they're no good or not worthy of you know being forgiven is uh you know and that's what upsets me. The only thing is, is you know, he's lost major sponsorships with EA, uh, just launched a new app. I don't think he's going to be a part of that anymore. There's a lot of things where he's taken a major hit financially. And for what at the end of the day? Now, I understand that these views can be different. Overall, I'm, I'm sick and tired of the fucking cancel culture. But, you know, within respect, I think that everyone... Kind of should just be held accountable for the accusations they make. Yeah, you know uh, the the Me Too movement. There's part of it where I think it does a lot of good. There's another part where I think it does a lot of bad. You know, so you make an accusation, you you kind of need to.
1: No one's fact checking anyone. Not see.
0: anymore. So no. much, you know, and which is
1: scary. Absolutely fucking terrifying. Yeah, I mean,
0: right. And it kind of actually uses so let's let's put this into perspective. I'm literally going to use Bill Burr to kind of put this into truth in one of his stand ups he discusses um how the feminist movement doesn't make any sense because inevitably a woman will be president of the United States will have the first woman president, meaning there will be the first male first lady, you know like yep. inevitably this will happen at some point um in the second that he tries to speak up like Michelle Obama things like that they will tell him to shut the fuck up and get in that fucking kitchen you know yeah. the, you, and 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 then it blows everything they stood for out of the water that's yeah, funny because now <laughs> you're shaming the you know and it's and when he said it like that I said absolutely and since then I've been over it I've been over the cancel culture I just can't get behind it I can't get behind the feminist movement because is he wrong I don't I don't think so you know but that is also my opinion mm-hmm. I think it, it, more so than anything is just annoying me I don't think that cancel culture should be canceled I think people should all be held accountable for fucked up things they do but Without proof, don't be an internet fucking warrior. Don't try to be a troll and do stupid shit. Um, I feel bad for David Dobrik. I love his content. Now he's taking a break. He's trying to, you know, reevaluate himself for things. Once again, he didn't really do. Um, Yeah, you could say that he should be the one holding people accountable. We're talking about adults in this situation. Um, I think that legal action needs to be brought upon anyone who caused harm to the next person. Um, dropping sponsors, making someone potentially go bankrupt—probably who who wasn't responsible—probably isn't the way. But and rant, I'm done with that. Back to our conversation. Thank you for listening to that and standing by.
1: No problem. No problem.
0: I'm gonna have people pissed off by, about that. By the way. Um, all right. So a few more questions, and this is an open-ended question. You can respond however you want. My, my question is: What makes a chef great, in your opinion?
1: Um. So first off, this is something that I, that pisses my parents off because I have a culinary degree and was a sous chef at at different restaurants and and whatnot. But I don't consider myself a chef. Um, many people do, even if per se, they're just cooks at restaurants. I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not stepping on anyone's toes by saying, I hope I'm not, but I just personally, from my own mindset, never want to consider myself a chef until I am a sous chef like I was, but for a longer period of time, an executive chef or have my own restaurant that I'm running. Um, But what actually makes a chef great from that standpoint, I think the main thing is leadership uh being able to mentor someone that's that's what truly makes a chef great um and even recently i had to write a letter to uh chef tim mickage uh my chef that i told you is retiring from the jvs right um we're we're compiling a, a letter i hope this does not i hope he doesn't listen to this he probably won't <laughs> but we're compiling like a scrapbook for him of of just memories and different things. And one of the main things I put was what truly makes what a true chef is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't think of the exact words I used right now, but um, it was basically along the lines. I was uh, talking about mentorship and how I'm saying, and I was like, not only did you do this for one individual, but you did this for many Mm -hmm. throughout the years. And there's nothing more that, makes a chef a chef than just that. Being able to know that you taught the next generation, you carried all over all those values and skills and just being able to put it out in the world for others. Um I, I think that's one of the most um amazing things, honestly. I like that. I, I just I mean I love the dude for for everything he's done for me, but not only that, but what he's done for others as well. Because like I I've seen amazing chefs who I mean, there could be a, a chef in, in New Jersey at this little shitty restaurant that is the best cook you've ever... Like, the best food in fire. the world. Right. But he doesn't know how to run a business or he doesn't have that mentorship. So, people wouldn't consider him a good chef. Uh, or maybe he does have kids under his belt that he's teaching the best things to, but he doesn't have a fine dining restaurant. So, he's not considered a best chef. So, there's so many different uh, rooms to... Explore. Yeah, I mean, try to describe even what a good chef is, because, I mean, me personally, not to sandbag any like or talk bad about any like TV personas, mm-hmm. but people are always like, "Oh, that you should do that, go on like Chopped or, go or do these Guy things." Fieri. Yeah, that would be fucking <laughs> you know? sick. Like, yeah, I would love to be a, a well-known person who just sits on stage and judges people' food and eats all day. I think that's. Fucking awesome Mm -hmm. like i would love to do that but at the same time a lot of the chefs that go on there i don't per se see as like these world-class chefs world-class chefs because they're not to me yeah um like the celebrity chef has is kind of it's brought light to the culinary industry for sure Mm -hmm. but um that's not to me what a real chef is i get that uh like a real chef is one who has that mentorship. Not only that, but like fucking actually works in kitchens. Like I'm gonna use Grinds. this lightly, but kinda not a sellout. Like and and like, yeah, I, they're said, gone like, like I said Hollywood. Like I said, I would be that all fucking day. <laughs> I would love to make that money. But like just personally, like people are always like, Oh yeah, they're such great chefs. But no one's fucking picking to go to Michael Simon's restaurant over a fine dining restaurant from an amazing chef that like most people haven't heard of just because they're not on TV. Mm -hmm. So like EMP for instance, when I say 11 Madison Park which was literally the number one restaurant in the world People would be like, Oh yeah, that's cool if I ever say I work there. But if I say I worked Michael I worked at Michael Simon's restaurant, like, holy right. shit, that is fucking amazing. Like you worked with such an amazing chef and like, yeah, he's he's a good chef. He knows his shit, but like compared to the chefs I was working for. Yeah. I personally don't think so.
0: So we're also I, talking about the name, the yeah, the yeah. T V yes. So
1: So there's many levels to it. Uh this is just how I my opinion on it,
0: and that's um, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, I like that. One, um, I heard before, and, I, and this has always stuck with me. Um, you know, your uh, uh, a person's work, a person's a person dies two times: one at their physical death. And again, when I saw this their name, their last name is ever mentioned on this earth. Say
1: that again, because I just cut in front of you. No, that's okay.
0: A a person is dies twice, one at their physical death. And again, when the last person ever utters their name Mm -hmm. or any of their work. And I think that going along the lines of what you said, mentorship, leadership, you will build a legacy far longer than your life if you instill your knowledge on the next person Mm -hmm. i have met plenty of talented and creative individuals that don't want to share that information oh no and i get it maybe on your deathbed you will maybe you will leave those recipes or your style or your technique or your secret to the next person but to spread it to the masses means you just want people to enjoy Mm -hmm. what you have created and i i somewhat agree with that yeah 100% Um, I think that the TV personality you get a few different types you know for me um, Anthony Bourdain was just a huge influence for me I think for For TV and
1: the thing is he worked at great restaurants and from a young age and mm -hmm. busted his ass worked in all around the world and and
0: and put in work yeah Um, I think he might be the most in tune with that gritty culture well not anymore but you know yeah. Even on TV, you could still look at him and be like, "That man is is he's that's what he's made for." Yeah, you know, uh, TV or not, he would have been great either way. Um, then you look at you know some other people, and I'm not gonna start bashing people as well. Um, when I went to Vegas though for my 21st, you know we we ate at Gordon Ramsay, we ate at Giada, um, and great, great. But there's also places where I've much. I've had much better meals. Can um, I just say this real fast? Of course you can.
1: The thing about that, when I go to Gordon Ramsey's restaurant, he's not there. No, He's no. not the chef there. He mm-hmm. really isn't. His name's there. But other than that, he has trained individuals. And I think Gordon is an awesome chef. I love Gordon. And not to bash Michael Simon again, but like I do think he's a chef. He's an awesome chef. He's just not cons- what I consider a great chef. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I would love to... Eat from Gordon Ramsay, but I'd much rather pay quality money for like a right. better meal per se. Chef like,
0: Joe Smo, that yeah. actually is is in there in the yeah. trenches, yeah, getting it exactly. I get that. So
1: keep going. I, that's just um, what I think.
0: but you know? yeah, no, and that's the same way. I've had better meals elsewhere. You know, there always is that one thing that sticks out, and at, you know, on my February sixth, on my actual twenty first that's where we had our dinner was at Gordon's the next night we went to Giada's um you know I had uh just complimentary appetizer they drop a fried quail egg right in front of you and still to this day I don't think I've had a better appetizer in my life I mean that was amazing um but going through the rest of the courses I mean yeah it was good it wasn't my top Mm -hmm. but Respectfully, so you know once again, like you said, Gordon Ramsay wasn't the one that cooked it you know, yeah. I get it you know he might have trained and, and things like that so um you know, I think it it changes the approach of me traveling too now now that I have that under my belt, I think I approach um, what I like to to do when I travel and where I like to eat uh, isn't based on status of you know fame mm-hmm. things like that 100%. so that is definitely definitely cool and and kind of unique i guess it's a unique look because to the everyday person they're going to go off of what they they see you know um guy fietti i think he's more of a of a personality than he is still in the in the in the industry you know people love him kind of like in a in a mocking way i mean i get on tiktok today and i just every time it's like you know, you'll see two girls and then they transfer into Guy Fietti, and I'm like, this is so funny. It's just so funny to me, you know? Um and I'm sure when he was in the trenches he was great. He was amazing. Um I think it is the personality. And honestly, you know, if 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 we were still in that business, in a in a you know, someone from uh a, you know, a company much like that were to approach us and see our personality, maybe we would be on TV. Maybe I I would be a sellout in in an instant, dude. I I hate, like, I
1: use that term, but I hate that term. Because it's like, yeah, everyone's going to be a fucking sellout if they have a chance. No one's, they're literally doing a business in the business. The definition of a business is to
0: make money. Fact.
1: Why are you going to fucking sell out? Seek profit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Of course. Make as much as you can, bucko. Do your shit. Ah, it's crazy oh, to me.
0: It's crazy. So going through, um, when you were going through school and obviously I know this isn't your passion right now in this moment, so I don't want, I don't want to keep drilling you no, just over going, and over. Dude,
1: I'll talk about it. I'll, I never talk about it, so.
0: In that moment of you're in the process, you're at CIA, what was your dream at that time? Go back in time. What did you want for yourself long-term?
1: Um trying to think of that uh i wanted to be a one of my goals was when i was there is to be a um sous chef and then possibly a executive chef or I not executive chef a chef to cuisine or chef to party at a uh basically be a cdc at a michelin star restaurant okay so run it
0: um, you, had, you had had the executive
1: that. chef name and him be there at times but like really be the CDC and run it In mm-hmm. um, that that was one of my goals to be able to do that uh, I was a sous chef at an amazing restaurant in New York it wasn't a Michelin star rated still grateful still had an amazing experience um, but but that was definitely my goal uh, my short term goal uh, per se on Or I'm using that word wrong, but like a long-term goal is, I think it was just to have my own restaurant one day.
0: So continue to just grow and learn and then eventually take that everything and apply it.
1: And if people ask, I would like, they would be like, what do you do front of the house, back of the house? What do you want to do? Do you want to be there every day? Every single time I'd be like, yeah, I I only want to be in the kitchen. I don't want to do the business side of things. You I can do table fucking, touches and hide. I can, yeah, I can pay someone to do that. I want to be there all day, every day. Now that I see shit, I have more knowledge on the fact of uh, both end of things. I've, I've done both ends or both sides of things multiple times in different restaurants, um, as well as with my parents and family and uh, and even doing stocks and stuff of knowing the money without all the hustle per se Mm
0: -hmm.
1: is like, I do not want to fucking do that shit. Like if anything, if I do open my own restaurant one day, which I, I always fucking have ideas of like different, like pop-up shops or, or cool little style restaurants and cuisines that I could do. But I'm like, yeah, I'd want to get it started and work in the restaurant and make sure it's my baby. And then like maybe do the business side of things, which never before. When yeah. I was at culinary school was my goal.
0: And be the face and yeah. be up front.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And as as we grow up and as we change, I think that's what's cool is, is yeah. our personalities start to kind yeah. of change. And so, yeah, 100%. I mean, if I could walk in and, and maybe create a, a simple menu, I mean, I would do at, at the top a 16-table spot. Uh, I don't want to keep it too big. I don't mm-hmm. want to do all that. Um a very simple menu, probably one small page yeah. that you can select even from some
1: a prefix or something
0: where it's yeah, a yeah, simple
1: a la carte, yeah,
0: and just run it from there, you know uh, if I were to ever you know it's been a long time since i've you know yeah. put any thought into that um you know, I think the real common thing when back in that twenty fourteen fifteen even you know that area was like food truck, like entertaining that. And, oh yeah. And I love to see where some of those food trucks have kind of gone in the, in these last five, six years. I mean, it's been a long time since then, you know, oh, it's crazy yeah. how much time has flown by.
1: And that's when my buddy, I was actually working for a food truck in New York city. My buddy had one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was fucking awesome. Like we worked all these different street events and, and we were actually named the best new eat in, uh, I think the New York Times. Bro,
0: that's huge.
1: For uh, food trucks. That is best new eat for food trucks. Uh, So that was fucking sick. It was in his, my buddy from Israel, it was his Israeli food truck. That's so Uh, cool. And and we did a bunch of little events. Morrisburg, which is just like uh, in the summer, I forget, like every Thursday or something, they do it in like two or three spots in Brooklyn. But it's basically just different food trucks, different vendors. There's like 30 plus uh, vendors that have all different kinds of shit. Um, like a little flea market for food, more or less, and uh, we won an. I think maybe we won an award for that. Not New York Times, because <laughs> now that I'm talking, I'm like that sounds like bullshit. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you guys have been taking yeah. the picture in front of that motherfucking boy. Uh,
1: but it was something big like that, like something right. really uh, prestigious that we were like, dude, holy shit, we were. This yes. is us, you know.
0: And all it is to celebrate is usually just like a clink of a beer. Yeah, you know, it's like, like that's what I. It's so simple. It's just oh, a man. simple life. Which is cool. Some baggies together, (laughs) right? Right, man. I mean, I do love it. I uh, Uh, I love uh, I love kind of picking your mind because, I mean, it's just interesting. Some of the knowledge that you have that you might that people might not have ever known. Yeah, you know, and and I think it's very very cool. Um, A few more things to touch on with the with the New York state of mind. You know, what are what are some cool experiences, some cool things, maybe some hidden gems?
1: Hidden gems.
0: I know you know them.
1: Yeah. Um It's, it's hard to explain to people about your given industry, uh, culinary industry being mine, really what it's like and uh, all the pros and cons behind it, uh, but also that hustle and And just like the feeling when you get off after a long day and you fucking go have a beer at a shitty little spot Mm -hmm. because you know you're working at the best restaurants, Michelin star restaurants with some of the best chefs around the world, traditionally Italian and French trained chefs and from all over. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter where. And you have these clean press suits or chef jackets, all white. If there's a stain on them, you get a new one. You have these beautiful... Knives that you spent hundreds if not thousands of dollars on them. You're constantly keeping them sharp. they your
0: babies. Every
1: single thing is so pristine and perfect. Then you get out you fucking toss on a baseball cap and look like a f- piece of shit. And <laughs> you go in, in and, the and buy PBRs <laughs> or you buy the shittiest little beer. And that's like there's these different industry places in New York City that we used to go. Uh, a couple of them being cocktail bars that, really made me enjoy cocktails like that was one shock when i came back to kent after uh living out in new york city and like i would go to fucking wine bars and cocktail lounges 24 7 i never drank beer stop drinking beer i had some of the best drinks in the world without question i believe it. um at some of the best cocktail bars in the world and then i came back to kent and I like ordered a cocktail and people oh, go of it. college and people are like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? No, not even just that. Just
0: a Miller Lite. How, how shitty was the cocktail? Was it terrible? Oh, yeah. It oh, I can only imagine how I, I, nasty. I played
1: it safe. I knew where I was. I wasn't dumb to the fact, but I, I grabbed like a whiskey ginger or Okay, just, just to keep it safe. You know, I was like, but like even that at first when I was younger, because I still wasn't even 21 at the time, was like, well, shit, like. Why why the fuck is this? Like I would go into the bars in Ohio and order a liquor cocktail or cocktail and fucking people wouldn't question me because they'd be like, this 18 year old isn't going to fucking drink Mm -hmm. gin and uh, gin and tonic or, or stuff like that, which is what I was drinking. So people wouldn't question it. Yeah. But, um, some of the going back to like the main thing though. The cocktail bars in New York City were unreal. The speakeasies, uh, Crif Dogs being one of them. Uh, so Criff Dog is this little, you go down some steps, it's got a big wiener outside that says, eat me. I think it says, yeah, it says eat me. Um, and it's a little hot dog thing, like shop. Super narrow, super tight. Mm-hmm. And then on the left wall, there's a uh, telephone booth, like an old fashioned street telephone booth. You open it up, you go inside, and you dial a certain number. And then the other side of the telephone booth opens up. And Whoa. there's a speakeasy inside called PDT, Please Don't Tell, considered in, uh revered as one of the best cocktail bars wow. in the world. Uh, they have amazing cocktail books. Um, but then you go in there, and then they have, like, specialty – they have, like, two specialty hot dogs in there that are fucking amazing. And you're like, I'm at one of the best fu- – like – to put it into context, you would go there if you didn't have an in there, which I luckily mm-hmm. did add friends that worked there so I could literally show up and fucking walk right in. There was this one time I brought six people with me. So it was me and six others, my brother Anthony being one. He hadn't been there, and he was a, a uh, mixologist at a restaurant, a, a uh, Michelin star restaurant in New York City. So fucking loves cocktails. That's right. what he, he was a bartender. That's what he did all day. Um and we get in line, I go up to the thing and I knock and the door opens and it's this girl I knew um that I went to culinary school with. She's like, hey, what's up? I was like, hey, tomorrow's actually my last day in the city, and I have a fuckload of people with me. And I was like, my brother being one, he's never been here. Can you get us an in? Uh if you guys have. If not, I understand I'm coming last minute. And I get out of line. She's like, yeah, just give me a second. I'll see what we can do. Mm-hmm. I get out of line and uh, mind me, inside PDT, it's straight and narrow, just like the hot dog shop, maybe sits 25 people, Okay, uh, 25 to 30 people, if that. And this, these two dudes are in line. are like, hey, bro, you should back up a little bit. He was like, I've been in line for an hour and a half. You're, there's no way you're getting in front of me. And I was just like, okay. And didn't say anything and then
0: yeah not looking
1: five ten minutes later my friend opens the door back up and is like dylan i got a spot for you she lit so seven of us go inside this bar that people have been waiting an hour an hour and a half to get in <laughs> and i just walked in within 10 minutes at a spot with I, there were seven of us, and there's only 25, 30 seats.
0: Yeah, you guys took so that. So I
1: felt fucking bad. Like, yes.
0: it was so dope. <laughs> and
1: being in the industry, living that industry life that I touched on earlier, that's what it's like. Like, people don't get to see that or experience that. And, and even earlier on, when I was talking about going to the best restaurants and being able to eat for free. And go in the kitchen and talk to the chefs and and get sent out random dishes or even if you do pay like hey we sent a bunch like ten extra dishes for you or little small bites and stuff like just to try with your your friends and shit mm-hmm. like being taken care of that's the hospitality way yes literally they always right show there, love too which is care so of each cool um, so those are the hole in the walls and the in the spots I missed because it wasn't Times Square. It was Lower East Side where you went. It mm-hmm. was Upper West Side in certain spots. Financial District, like there's all these holes in the hole in the walls with that uh, you would never think to step in.
0: Your brother was a mixologist in the Lower East Side. He worked in
1: Midtown Manhattan, okay. about two blocks away from uh, Empire State Building. Okay, at a beautiful restaurant inside of a hotel. It was. Uh, Michelin star restaurant one Michelin star I
0: remember I remember briefly I don't know I don't know why I got the area mixed up but uh, that I guess to me gives off the true New York vibe like that's a true New Yorker and some New York shit to do um man dude talking about the speakeasies takes me back to being in yeah. that just in that world and do we would get off and there was a same same pretty much scenario you know just a box cut right on this strip of downtown Sarasota you'd walk in it's a sushi bar you walk all the way around into the kitchen and then through another door and there you are really? in this beautiful fucking, fucking speakeasy dope. and it was always Hospitality. Mm-hmm. It was just everyone in the hospitality industry. You yeah. have a front of house, the the head bartender, the head chef. Yeah. Everyone just kicks it there. Yeah, and it's like such a great way to to meet new people and to to meet new things and kick it in just a cool place. Yep. And I guess, yeah. I mean, mind you, I turned twenty one while living there, so I wasn't really big on cocktails then either. But from that speakeasy, I I fell in love with Kentucky Mules. Um, And just like different whiskeys from like my go to is always going to be Makers Mark because it's easily available. Yeah. You know, but Angels Envy, Buffalo Trace, things like like that. I guess you just aren't quick to pick a bottle up from Giant Eagle and things like that where you you get put on, you fall in love. And just that mix of like the whiskey to ginger beer. And I always get the orange slice so that I can have a little citrus. I love it. You know, I I love that time of my life so much, which is cool because I think you just archive something that I haven't really yeah I haven't thought of in it's, in years. It's
1: like that taste, that smell, that brings back memories. Yep,
0: like, and you, it's not,
1: that, that's how it is for me.
0: It's a place where it's like you're not gonna bring someone on the first date because you cherish it yeah. in a way. You know, it's like it's a place where you go with your with your brothers and sisters of the business because yeah, that's you just didn't, let loose
1: i had friends that would get mad if i brought people an outsider you know something they'd be like dude i don't want other people to know about this spot." um which is the way it is i mean there was a this jeff i actually lived i'm not kidding two minutes a two minute walk from this uh speakeasy it's it's called angel's Share
0: different speakeasy yeah okay different
1: speakeasy it's traditional japanese cocktails and inside is yakitori uh yakitori restaurant yakitori is basically just like a i don't know if you know what yakitori is i don't think so traditional uh japanese like coal, um like they basically grill, grilled different things on skewers yakitori is chicken um there's a bunch of different uh terms for them but there's like squid uh fish balls meatballs uh chicken balls um, chicken skin, which is my favorite, um, peppers, mushrooms, duck, all these different things. Yeah, they're basically yeah. just grilled over a uh, red embers. Um, they put a yakitori sauce on it, which is like mirin and soy sauce and some different shit. Word. Anyways, it's fucking amazing. Just has yeah. this like real good uh, aroma and, and flavor to it. But inside this restaurant, on one of the walls, you just push the door in, and it's this tiny all white coat tux like or black and white tuxedos or or suits and stuff yeah. um beautiful dim light like amazing paintings on the ceilings and walls japanese that's cocktail sick, lounge that's sick bro and that is where i've had the best cocktails ever it, it's wow and that's the place that like even i didn't know for a while and i lived right next to it for 7 months okay Literally a block I mean, you push away. on a
0: wall. It's a probably not away. that obvious. You no. know, <laughs> someone's got to show but you some like shit But like that's like an that.
1: insider's, like, you have to know people to know about this place. There's, that's what's up. Yeah. Um... But that's the shit I fucking miss. Yeah. That's for damn sure.
0: So that's cool because I guess when people probably one, speakeasies aren't uh everyone knows about it type deal. Yeah. You know? Um I think the closest thing to a speakeasy that we have around here is probably Speak of the Devil. Yeah. Um you know, I don't know if do you I don't know if you get out a whole lot but I've been there twice. Um, you know, Jack Maple always always takes care of my parents anytime Mm -hmm. quick to make suggestions you know jack is who introduced me at six younger than that 15 years old the the world of working in a kitchen Mm -hmm. so a lot of it's just crazy to come full circle and uh you know just always quick to give suggestions things like that but Outside of Ohio, it takes someone to kind of go and see parts of of the world or you know the nation to understand that speakeasies are very much still a thing. Oh hell yeah! And uh I guess if you think about a speakeasy, you think about prohibition, and then you might think like if there's still some today that you'd see like outlaws or you know uh criminals hanging out, and in reality, you're just gonna see some pretty hip uh either hip ass people or you know cooks and and people of the business yeah just letting loose which is is cool hell yeah i think that's awesome
1: um there was actually one called employees only in new york city that i i only went to like two or two or three times but it's everyone that goes in is only supposed to be an actual employee or in the hospitality industry word um but every time I went there, it didn't seem that way. It sounded like <laughs> it might have gotten it was too like hyped. Yeah, it got yeah. real hyped real quick, and it was <laughs> good cocktails and stuff. But it was just like I, I had my spots I'd rather go to.
0: What's your go-to cocktail right after work? After um, a long day,
1: now or back then? It's back changed.
0: then. You do both, but do the back then Usually
1: first. a gin cocktail. Uh, none in particular, as far as like. So th- my favorite thing about these cocktail restaurants, they would switch. Or cocktail bars uh, they, would, they would constantly are changing their menu like okay. they do at uh, Speak of the Devil they have new things coming for different seasons they do tiki style I love tiki style but mostly my favorite go to's were uh, a gin cocktail or a whiskey cocktail I for the most part stayed away from tequila and vodka uh, vodka is easy to manipulate yeah. as a uh, ingredient but um, I just never truly cared for vodka um Stoli flavors uh Las
0: Vegas terrible time go ahead oh yeah always terrible
1: (laughs) time no but um so no one particular cocktail nowadays um if I go to downtown Amherst uh I usually get a Jameson ginger ale or a uh gin and um tonic okay both with a lime
0: so you like you like that that kind of mix of of the whiskey to to ginger yeah ginger ale fuck yeah dude um it's it's just dude it's it's unmatched bro like there there would i would always i guess for all my brothers when they turn 21 i'm always just gonna say like you know go get a fucking kentucky mule yeah whatever you want go get that like
1: you can't go wrong with it
0: yeah you just can't you can't at all um damn dude we've been running an hour and thirty-five minutes. Damn. I love it. I love this. I Doesn't love to feel see like it. That. Um, another thing too. So yeah, we definitely. Th- those are some true hidden gems. Literally hidden. Yeah. Um, with with New York, uh, the it. I guess it seems like the traffic is a bit crazy. You're walking everywhere, right? You're yeah, not, I, I, be I didn't stupid have, to to have a car my whole
1: time in New York. Would it have been dumb? I had friends that had vehicles. It was convenient as fuck for me. Yeah. But parking is the thing.
0: Okay. And
1: then there's certain streets that... I mean, every street does trash pickup and gets swept on certain days. So even if you don't use your vehicle for a month straight, you, you can't have to move it. it. Right. You, you can't have to move it, it here and there to for trash pickup and stuff like that. Um, but... Yeah, I never had to worry about that shit. I just fucking yeah. skateboarded or took the subways.
0: Which is good. Walked, I mean, of course. I remember um, sometimes being on the subways. It. I mean, is that your most convenient way to tra- travel from one part of the city to another? Oh, yeah, without question. Okay. I mean, um, it's uninterrupted. That would make sense.
1: Taxi, if I'm... Or an, I never really used Ubers unless it was late night and mm-hmm. had a fuckload of people and was trying Taxi's to Taxi's cool. cheaper?
0: Uh, typically?
1: Ubers have a flat fee or flat rate uh, from one spot to the... Like, you put in this destination, it is $5.
0: You know, it's not um, running on the meter.
1: With a taxi, there's been many times where I've gotten in a taxi and the dude will go farther or, like, wind like around. And I'm like, route. yo, what the fuck are you doing? You have to, like... There's times where they'll drive a little longer so they can get more money. Uh. Um, so that's the thing. But... When you get in a vehicle and just like spit out and know your shit, they'll take you right there. They don't fuck with you unless they think you, you're yeah a tourist. Um, so when there was times where I was drunk as fuck and coming home, and they would do that, but I usually caught them. But, <laughs> but yeah, if I needed to get to work, just fucking taxi it up real fast. i would be like, yo, if you fucking drive really fast, I'll give you an extra five dollars. Like word. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'd be like, All
0: right. <laughs> dude i took a cab when i was in new york uh we took it over to uh i mean this is just showing you how uncultured i was at the time i I was also 16 uh 16th birthday me and my mom fly out we take a cab from Times square to wherever the new york ink spot is do you know where that is new york ink that where the show used to be new york ink i do not uh do you know where the supreme store is by chance Mm -mm. okay that's fine Uh, yeah um they were pretty close to one another but far enough from Times square so we took the cab initially to new york i
1: feel like it's in soho if i'm not mistaken
0: i mean nice beautiful white concrete buildings everywhere i mean there's no giant skyscrapers or or anything um yeah So we get to New York Inc and I am stoked because my mom took me there to get my first tattoo from a, from a show that I had watched for years and we get there and obviously I wasn't expecting any of the like celebrities. Mm -hmm. I know that they don't stay there most of the year, but I'm like, Hey, I'd like to get a tattoo. They're like, yeah, you know, how old are you? And I'm like 16, but I brought my mom with me so she can, uh, you know, sign off and they're like dude we're super sorry but like there's no parental consent in the state of new york
1: oh really and
0: i was like dude i was immediately crushed like this is the whole reason we came to new york fucking city i didn't call ahead like i felt stupid and i felt right so dude well my mom was like go in like because we were just talking to them on the steps and i'm like "Ah, fuck so we went in and she tried to ask and they're like yeah we can't do it dude I didn't like lose my cool, but I was definitely upset. Oh, you know, like yeah. I wanted that to be my first tattoo, and so whatever. Um, we end up just getting back out. Now we're out, away from where we were, and we're like, "Well, now what? Do, now what can we do?" She's like, "Well, I mean, I'll get you whatever you want." Like that was supposed to be your birthday gift. Knowing it was probably going to be expensive, I was just like, "This is also before Supreme was like what it is now." Yeah. But I was like, "Mom, there's a place called Supreme that I really want to go to." um everyone that i watch um uh, that skates wears it and i think it might be cool and she's like we'll see where it's at it was a five minute walk we I get f- right
1: i feel like it's in now that it matters. are you about to look it up yeah i feel like where you were is uh it
0: like was nice the west
1: west district i can't even fucking think the name of it but um the the not the flats
0: it all—I mean, the buildings were big, but it wasn't like holy shit, this yeah. is crazy. Let me look it up real quick.
1: Warehouse Supreme. District. What the f- dude? I can't think of the names of the spots. It was on
0: 190 Bowery.
1: Oh no, that's 190.
0: 190
1: Bowery. Oh Bowery, that's Soho area.
0: Okay, so then that's yeah. what—that's exactly where I was. Actually, um, that might be Lower East side. But yeah, that
1: was close to where I lived, actually.
0: Okay, that was so a couple blocks. dude, I loved it over there. Yeah. I mean, we ended up spending the whole day out that way, and so we walked to Supreme. I ended up picking out some cool shit, which was like way before it was cool shit, and yeah, it, we just enjoyed every bit of it. Like the farther away we got from the touristy spots, the more fun I think we had that entire trip. It made it feel like. Like I was kinda supposed like a to lake, be there.
1: Like a cool Lakewood area that was more built up. Like yes. everyone's yes. walking around. Everyone seems chill. It kind of has that like bright, happy feeling, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Rather than that like disgusting shit on the sidewalk, like yeah. midtown feels. Check yeah. your shoes yeah. by yeah. the end of your like, walk. Yes. No, but 100%, That those were the areas that I loved. Um, and then even when I was in that like nightclub scene, because one of my roommates and his buddies, they were all, uh, well, my roommate wasn't, but his buddies, they were all, um, What's it called when you get people to come to clubs?
0: Promoters. Promoter. yeah, Club
1: promoter. That's it. Uh, they were all club promoters. They so handed out tickets and hand, shit. <laughs> Hanging out tickets and some other shit and saying, hey, go do this. Grab this girl. Dude, it was fucking rude. Can I go on a little absolutely tangent? Absolutely okay, you can. Okay, listen to this. So New York City was absolutely insane when I lived there. And this being one of the craziest things that I can think of. Dude. Uh, Just the way they treated human beings. Like, holy fuck, they did not care about any of us. Chew
0: you up, spit you out.
1: There was this nightclub we used to go to. I can't think of the name, but we would go to it multiple times a week. And, you know, you hear like, oh, get some girls and come back. There was this one night me and some buddies had... uh, We're hanging out with these chicks and we came in. It was... Three dudes and maybe four girls.
0: So the ratio was in their favor.
1: We were like walking in, we're getting in. We knew a dude here. We like get in for free and all this stuff. And then the the bouncer, the doorman and stuff is like, yo, I'm sorry, but you got to tell that girl she can't come in. And I was like, what? Why? I was like, I was like, well, I don't even know her. Like I'll tell her friends, but like you can talk to them. So I pull one of the girls over. The, the one who probably group. knew the best. yeah. yeah. Who well, I was like gaming on all night per se. And she's just out. Uh, he says, hey, your friend's not attractive enough to come in here. What? And this is what her female friends do. We met them out. So like we didn't really know them. Uh-huh. And they were like, hey, uh, Sophia, whatever. I don't right. fucking know her name. Sophia, like, sorry, we're going to go in. But he said you can't come. And she's like, okay, that's fine. And fucking laughed.
0: And accepted And it? her
1: friends just went in the club with us. And I'm just like, what the fuck? These are shitty friends. Oh, like, my God. This girl must feel terrible about herself. I feel terrible. I don't even know the girl. <laughs> we just are walking in with them. But, dude, it was fucking ruthless. And then at another club we used to go to, the dude would always, like, not let us in unless we had attractive girls. And I knew that. And I brought my brother... It was actually when Max was in the city and I brought him and I think someone else, uh, another friend from the city named Kevin. Mm-hmm. So it was me, Max, Kevin. We go to the and I'm like, yo, what's up, dude? He's like, hey, how you doing? He was like, no one with you tonight. And I was like, no, she's my brother and friend. He's like, you got to get some girls. <laughs> I'm going to let you in. And I was like, all right, I figured. And that was a way we could get in free. Right. Uh, to, or at least pay a very big discount. And I go up to these three random girls who I thought were really cute and uh, I was like I lied to him and was like Hey, you trying to come in with? Us? They were already in line. I was like, Hey, you trying to come in with us? We got a table. We got bottle service. Yes. Like that's what you do to get in. Shoot like, first, girls. ask yeah. questions last. We'd go up to some of the most attractive girls and say that, and sometimes it would work. We'd get inside. We'd be like sorry, and be like yeah, we'd be like sorry. Like, <laughs> we just had to get I'll get in. you a Miller Lite. What do you want? <laughs> uh, but uh, we pull these three girls up, and he just looked at me and started laughing. He was like, "You got to get some cuter girls than that." Right to their faces. Damn. And they're like, are you fucking serious? And I was like, I am sorry. And they walked off. And I was like, bro, what the fuck?
0: Damn. He uh, fucked the whole play up. So
1: that's what I mean by they just didn't give a fuck about you. Like. Wow. It was ruthless. All
0: left to the bouncer's discretion. Yeah.
1: It, like. It was that's pr- fucked. At the same time. Like it's. Nowadays. Five, how long has it been? Five, six years later. Right. That would not fucking fly. That's
0: what I'm saying. Like, no. imagine you
1: say that shit. That dude would be fired.
0: That oh my club God. would
1: be fucking. I mean, they still do that shit. Right. right. I imagine. But um, that shit is wild to me.
0: That is crazy. I'm glad you brought that up. I fuck.
1: Yeah, that's. Yeah.
0: New York nightlife. That Man. was when I first moved out
1: <laughs> there and was like 18, 19 years old. He was my 27 year old brother. He was 27 at the time. I used his ID. Uh, and looked I, I was 18 I didn't fucking look like I was 27 right. I still look like I'm 18 <laughs> Um, and it worked every single time other than one time there was this big big uh, bouncer and he looked at me and was like man these aren't your fucking eyebrows and I was just like what the fuck <laughs> my eyebrows he was like what's your address and like I said everything he's like this is probably your brother, isn't it? I was like, bro, <laughs> what the fuck? He's like, get out of here. And I was just He like, knew. He peeped game. I was game. like, all right, fine. Damn. But, dude,
0: it was some fun times,
1: stupid times, but. Fuck, dude. Yeah. We
0: went out and we went out in Cleveland. So after this New York trip, uh, I'm still on the hunt for a tattoo, right? Yeah. And uh, my, my mom's best friend growing up. Is the uh, general manager of a, a super cool bar in Cleveland called the Velvet Dog. Yep. Right. Okay. Right, right. You know, um, and so she has tons of connections. And one of the bouncers there um, gets tattooed at a place called Focus Tattoo Studio in Cleveland. Now, they're owned by two twin brothers, Jimmy and Johnny, and they. I think Johnny tattoos LeBron James. They tattoo all the, the big names. Yeah. I mean, this is also far before like Pablo was tattooing people and stuff like that. So um, I was like, yeah, dude, like, bet, like, that sounds awesome. All I was looking to do was get this pin up girl um, oh, probably holding a skateboard. Right. And so we get there and I'm starting to like feel out the tech, their, their styles. And he's like, you know, do you want it to be a portrait, this, that? And I got one of the twins to, to agree to do my tattoo. And I'm like, this is sick. And, you know, so he's drawing it up and he's showing me these videos of LeBron like in there getting tattooed. He's like, dude, he just got, you know, his, the tops of his shoulders. He was like, he was, he was pissed. It hurt so bad. And it was just cool. Like the environment was crazy. And right before he got to shooting ink, He put on, like, the loudest music I had ever heard. Like, dude, it was, like, Rick Ross or some shit back in the day. And, dude, the speakers were just blaring. And he was just like, this will help with the pain. I'm like, okay. And he starts drilling me and shit. Well, fast forward, you know, now I'm, you know, at 21 maybe at the time and we're celebrating a friend a friend's 21st it's her 21st and so we're all out in Cleveland we hit the flats and then um they're like let's go somewhere else let's switch up the vibe and I'm like well I mean we could try to go to Velvet Dog so they're like cool um we get in and the the bouncer is the dude so I'm like hey what's going on and I don't like to name drop so I wanted to just Play it safe. Yep. I showed him my ID. He was like, "Oh, what's up?" He's like, "You're good." Um, let's everyone else in. There was one girl with us that must have had a fake because her. He not only took her ID, but it was like you can't come. It, not must have. She definitely had a fake. Yeah. And was like, you can't come in. So her and her boyfriend are like outside, and we were just like, "All right, later." Yeah, it's <laughs> like, always like in. that.
1: Fog, like. But
0: the. Honestly, it was the best thing we could have done because we're fairly young and like yeah. not making crazy money. Uh, I get up because it's a three. You've been there, right? Yep. Three story bar. We get up to the rooftop and I see Angie's husband and he's like, Tristan, what the fuck are you doing here? I'm like, oh, we're out telling Bird in 21st. He's like, all right. He's like, Angie's not here tonight, but hold on. He goes over, talks to the people running the outside bar, and comped my, me and everyone I was with drinks for the entire night. Dude, that's fucking the dope. entire night, bro. So we're kicking it rooftop, chilling. They're like, "Do you want a spot?" We're like, "Nah, we move too much." Like, and they wax like, dude, not
1: there. I. I'm, I went there once or twice. Cleveland, I haven't been, Cleveland yeah. drinks are expensive, yeah, though. Of course.
0: Hell yes. And this is like right when they changed like the price of like even cigarettes were like 15 to $10 mm-hmm. a pack. You had to be 21 to buy smoke. It, things were just different. and You know, times were changing. So to have an entire night of comp drinks, we didn't leave the entire night. And we had such a good time. And uh, I just remember the next day, the girl was pissed that we left her. We're like, dude, like, because she was more pissed to find out that we had a comp night at a dope ass yeah. spot, you know? Uh, which I'd have been Especially pissed. Especially
1: out too. on the rooftop and shit. Oh, like,
0: God, they had just kicked off a new line of some drinks they were trying out. It's when Red Bull released their flavored. So it was Orange Red Bull with, I think, like a vodka. And once again, you mix vodka, you just don't realize how well it's going down. And they were serving it in these giant... um, It was nice out, so it was probably like maybe Indians cups, Mm -hmm. like memorable cups, and they just kept filling them up for us, like we said like what do you want we're like a uh, vodka soda he's like you got to try this dude all night just getting to it
1: that's fucking sick
0: i it's like in a way like i miss being young because like it's just like moments oh, like, that. You like that you'll never be able to recreate <clears throat> it's just cool i love i love that lifestyle let's see
1: um you talk about cigarettes and them being expensive made me think of like just like an insider new york thing that that reminded me of uh
0: Oh, that shit's expensive when, too.
1: So when I lived out in New York, moving out there, I smoked Marble Reds. And then I uh, switched to Parliaments, which I got my brother hooked on since then. I got hip too uh, in college. Love it. Yeah. Uh, they were just so easy, smooth. I like the little um, bite. Mo- you can yeah, bite that yeah, motherfucker. Dude. So uh, the reason I started smoking them is because my roommate, uh, the one who I've referred to a lot of times... Um, that's what he grew up uh smoking mm-hmm. um so started smoking those and shit fifteen dollars a pack back in twenty fifteen twenty like thirteen fourteen fifteen mm-hmm. out there and one of the cool things about New York, you have all these little hole in the wall spots, not only for cocktails but for things like cigarettes where you can get shit for cheap, right, so there was like certain spots, and one of them was in the Bronx where we'd go. And it was just a little uh, bodega. You'd go in, and you'd just be like, "Hey, yo, can I have a pack of cigarettes?" And you tell them what cigarette, just like normal. He'd throw it down, and he'd be like, 15 bucks." And I'd be like, "I'm talking about the out-of-state ones, right? Because what they'll do is go purchase them from Pennsylvania or place with sh- or Ohio, cheap, yeah, or Ohio right. place with cheap, uh, uh, t- like taxes and stuff like that, or uh, tobacco in general, um, and then bring them back." And sell in them illegally, illegally for a lot cheaper. That's uh, some mafia shit, yeah, right there. Yeah, so I'd be buying packs for five dollars rather than fifteen dollars, um, which was it was just like one of those random things. And there New would be York times, street hustle. yeah, like there was one time I came in that like nineteen years old, and the dude's like, "Are you a cop?" I was like, <laughs> "No, I'm not a fucking cop. Just give me my cigarettes, right. dude." And he's like, 15 dollars," and I was like. I'm not a cop. I was like, just give me, I know it's $5. I was here last week. Right. And just like, okay. <laughs> and then you look and it says from New Jersey or from, you're like, okay, like, sounds like,
0: good. Oh, Damn. Yeah. bro. I remember there was a place and this has had nothing to do with New York, but there was a place here. A place called Sun News connected oh, to Midway, yeah, so you, you know that hustle, dude. I used to go in there. Say, me and my mom were like going shopping. I would break off like, "Mom, I gotta go to Best Buy real quick," and I would sprint into Sun News and always like browse and see what they got. Oh yeah. I'm always acting like I'm gonna entertain buying a bowl and don't even smoke weed. I'm Man. like, oh yeah, what's that? And I'm like, all right, quick, let me, quick, let me get a yeah, quick, let me get a pack of Marvels or Marlboro Mentos. And he's like, okay. He said, uh, "ID." I said, "I don't have it." I said, All I got is cash. I said, I left my wallet at home. He goes, Uh, okay. Uh ten dollars. You give me Yeah.
1: <laughs> make money, dude. Right,
0: right. And then I always had like the one buddy that liked to hustle him, like, Oh, well, all I got is six. He'd be like, That's fine, give me it. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry
1: <know>? Krinko brought <laughs> brought Sun News up at Brian Young's wedding. That's funny. Because he's his best man, did his best man speech and he was talking about uh having these cigarettes and stowing them away and hiding them from his parents and stuff. And he was like, shout out sun news <laughs> at Midway mall. That's cool. I was like, that's fucking hilarious.
0: Damn bro. That Good shit. Been. So that was just brought up yeah. a few days ago then. Yeah. That's what's up, man. So yeah, it's just funny shit like that. You know, now that you're older, it's like, you don't ever worry about, you're not, it's just like not as fun, I yeah. guess.
1: No, I it know. isn't
0: funny shit like that. that.
1: Adrenaline pumping of like, you know, just being scared, no like yeah. Oh hell yeah! That's what I miss.
0: Hell yeah! I bought a pack at Sun News, walked outside. This time I was just with my friends, and we walk out by the like we walked all the way around to the food court, and then popped out to like all smoke a cigarette. And like you know, it's a it was before the decline of of that mall, so there's a lot of people around. Someone saw me. Took a picture of me and sent it to my mom. My mom called me as I'm smoking the cigarette and said, Dude. Get your fucking ass home now. And I was like, Damn it. <laughs> Dude, I used to get caught smoking cigarettes all the time. Like I was always getting in trouble, no matter where I hit it. It's like, dude, your dad's a police officer. He's gonna find your shit. Like, quit, just quit bringing it in the house. Dude,
1: I miss that taste of a cigarette when you're young. Like, dude, it hit different. It did. It did. Oh my god. For me, it was like
0: I was a weekend warrior. I only smoked uh, Friday through Sunday because I eventually learned i can't keep him in the house so i got to keep him with a friend mm-hmm. so come friday i hit that joint oh my god i'm oh. fucking whoa feeling dizzy feeling a little different yeah. man childhood was cool i think we overall life was life was good
1: oh yeah god dude my biggest struggle i remember the first time i i smoked a cigarette i maybe took a couple like it wasn't a whole one to mm-hmm. myself it was. I was in fourth grade, and I was hanging out with my brothers and their friends. We were hanging out behind one of this, what's the one next to St. Joe's, across from the high school and stuff that they just tore down.
0: Ah, uh, Powers.
1: Powers. So we used to like climb on the roof and just hang out at that playground all the time when I was around that age. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the main and one of the dudes was like, "Hey, hit this," and I was like, "I was like, dude, I, I just don't know how." And uh-huh. he's just like, he's like, just like inhale. I fucking struggled with inhaling. Dude, I couldn't do it. Like, I hit it a bunch of times. It was like, I don't get it. I kept swallowing. Like, I would.
0: Yeah, that's because they're like, that'll make you do to it. Try
1: fucking swallow Like, I, I just didn't fucking get it. But it was funny. Uh, I think not yeah. until like a year later did I actually learn how to actually hit a
0: cigarette. I used to fake smoke cigarettes where I'd hit it, but not because like my trick was always hit it and then breathe in again like after and i was like the first time i did i remember it just catching me i'm like oh my god what was that and yeah bro i mean not not endorsing obviously anyone to smoke
1: yeah i wish i never like i'm happy i did and i don't regret any of my memories but as far as a uh, health standpoint goes and how my body feels today yeah I wish I never fucking touched anything. Damn, sure. bro.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I it's stupid shit. Yeah, I remember.
1: I do miss it though.
0: Before I had like ever even been open, Township Park used to be a stomping ground oh, yeah. for anyone in Hidden Valley, it, just in Amherst, but Hidden Valley because it was part of our neighborhood. You'd go there and you'd have the kids at the pavilion that were probably in high school or junior high that were always smoking cigarettes and riding BMX. So me and you know fourth, fifth grade riding my bike. You know, you'd know, you have your friends that were just naturally curious and would wander over to the pavilion. Me, I was like, no, no way. This, this shows you our generation. This wraps it up. Me and my buddy Jake Schneid sitting there with the biggest monster energy you, you can buy mm-hmm. um, on our bikes just sitting there while our friends are going over to smoke cigarettes and we're like chugging these monsters. Like, I would never, I would never smoke a cigarette. And he's like, yeah, dude, that shit's gross. And he's like, honestly, I would never marry a woman if she smoked cigarettes. And I remember being like, me too. And just continue to just chug this monster. Like, like that's any better yeah. for you. You know, it's just stupid shit as kids. And then uh, fast forward three years, we're both smoking cigarettes. You know, who, yeah. who knows? I just miss that shit.
1: Hell yeah. Innocence
0: god well dude we are at officially two hours running Doesn't strong like i know i know i do want to thank you though for coming on the show well, yeah. you, we made a beautiful beautiful creation here today we uh have. do you want to shout anyone out anything you want to say
1: uh yeah actually um something i've been really wanting to say and get off my mind i fucking wear crocs all the time dude oh, thank i you. love them yes they're easy they make my feet sweat a lot uh, that's the only bad thing though I'm with you brother <laughs> but I'm with you respect had to bring that in from the introduction <laughs> uh, shout out mom and dad and uh, everyone who's grinding out there doing their thing whether it uh, be something that uh, they do for themselves or for others J- just bust your ass dude grind make, make yourself happy first and your family and I don't know
0: the rest will Turn pay off, off absolutely after, Guys, thank you for tuning in to the Mind If I Crash podcast. We will catch you next week.